Welcome to Zeitgeist with Zach Geist. I'm your host, Zach Geist. This show is made possible by Student Loan Tutor, which you can find at studentloantutor.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment and give us a review. Thank you. All right, this is Zach Geist, and welcome to Zeitgeist with Zach Geist. Today I have Catherine Dixon here, and we're recording on a little bit of a different setup. I left my XLR cables at, uh, at a, the Krishna Temple where we do ecstatic dance, so we're recording on the actual recorder's microphone, which I have apparently a really good recorder, so hopefully this turns out <laughs> sounding great. But this is one episode where it might sound a little bit different. Welcome, Catherine. That's good. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Great. So uh, I wanted to interview Catherine because a lot of people in the community uh, here in Salt Lake City had said, you know, you should interview Catherine because you both are interested in the gift and the spirit of the gift. And you both speak the same language and you kind of sound like one another when you speak about these things. And uh, it's so valuable to have somebody else that's living in the gift. And uh, Catherine is maybe in some ways living more fully in the gift than I am. Uh, So I wanted to talk with her about that and her experience and why in the heck she would do this. Is she just trying to be a a good girl and feel good about being a (laughs) good girl? Pay for my sins? Yeah. Uh, Or is there some deeper reason that she's doing it? Is it just a cool new Mm. trend thing to do? And, you know, it's kind of like, I'm not just a vegan. I'm not just a raw vegan. I'm not just a raw vegan that eats fruit. I only eat alkaline fruit that don't cast a shadow. You know, uh, is that is it is it some big ego trip or is there some deeper reason for this whole thing? So I wanted Catherine to introduce herself and tell us what she does and maybe begin by saying what led her to the gift. <clears throat> okay, so uh, let's see. It was back in 2013 when I, well, Actually, in 2003, I started my own coaching business based on the work of Byron Katie because prior to that, I'd spent my life seeking truth. And this inquiry process, in my experience, helps people find the truth inside of themselves. And I've never seen anything as powerful and expeditious in that way. Um, So I got into it. And I have funny stories about that, but we won't go there. You know, so I was doing that independently, um, yep, and squeaking out a living, I mean, but not, I mean, it was okay, I was doing well for a coach, this was before coaching was quite as big as it is now. That's when you said you were a coach, someone pictured you like on a little league field or something, Oh, 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 this is, yeah, well, and they call it life coaching, yeah, 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 and they call it life coaching now, but I actually picked the word coach because it went well with clarity, which is what my aspiration was. You know, and so, yeah, so, and actually, here's an interesting thing. Byron Katie used to do all of her events on a gifting basis, Mm. all of them, you know, and, um, and then she stopped and then she started charging, you know, reasonable amounts to a lot of amounts, depending on who you are and what you're doing. Cartole did the same thing from what I Mm -hmm. understand. Yeah, yeah. And so I started initially doing the gift thing and I was a single mom of a kid with a disability and that didn't work so well, you know. So I slowly kind of incrementally increased my, um, you know, my fees and got things to a sustainable level where things were functional. 
What is the gift? What is the gift to me? Well, so, yeah, so I guess, yeah, let me just kind of back up. So the background was charging because I felt like I needed to. But it always felt unkind, unclear, un- incoherent to me somehow. Mm. You know, labeling my value for other people and the expectations that show up around you know, when you have your fees that you charge and so forth. And it's I like also, a dating profile today. It kind to, of is. Today. It's like, I want someone that's this tall with this thing. You have to have this job. <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah, and it just always, and I knew I priced where I landed was um, my, my sessions were $250 straight off. But if people bought a, you know, a series of 10, it was 150 each, you know. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I priced a lot of people that could use the, service out and that always made me feel guilty and then in 2000 whenever 2013 I think it was it was um about this time maybe in 2012 I read Charles's sacred economics and it just the way I speak it and the way I experience it was it was just a call to my true self it's just like hello <laughs> yoo-hoo, what are we doing you know and I just it was like every part of my deepest self said yes to everything that was offered in that book. And what I heard in that book that moved me so deeply is, why do we have price tags on everything? And how is that helping us? And it was clear that it is not. And we felt, I felt the burdensome of it, the burdens of it my whole life. But I just never knew there was a way out. And something inside of me said, I'm doing this. My heart, my soul is like, this is the way. And my rational mind is like, WTF, <laughs> you know, oh, this yeah. isn't going to work, you know. But I just, it was such a radical experience that I couldn't turn my back on it. And so that weekend, I changed everything on my website from fee-based into the gift ecology. And that was, I think, in March of 2013. And, and I never turned back. Now, I won't say... And we're say- visiting Catherine from her tent out on downtown... <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. No. She's in a beautiful house, taking care of her daughter as a single yes, mother. Yes, and, yes, yes. Uh, and yeah, you look like you're doing okay for yourself. I'm doing just fine. And you know, I mean, yeah. When I first started, let me just tell you, because in the beginning, my heart and soul were on board, but my brain was like, "No, this is nuts. What do you think you're doing?" And everybody I would tell was like, "This is nuts. Don't even go there." But I just couldn't not do it. And so the first few months, I would say the first three months were kind of rough because I was battling with my own, you know, fears and things like that. But with the work that I do, self-inquiry, you know, this isn't going to work. Is it true? And I could always find some kind of landing space that felt right. And the first, I think it was the second month, somebody loaned me, or not loaned, they just gifted me $1,000 so I could pay my mortgage, right? Mm. And, you know, so it wasn't like... A did you ask them sweep. for $1,000? No, I did not. It just happened. It huh? just happened. Hmm. Yep. And what I noticed, too, there would be months where I wasn't quite sure how it was all going to work. And the money would show up from really weird places, like reimbursements for some, you know, what do they call those class action suits or yeah, something? Yeah, I've been having you know? weird stuff like this happen, too. And I'm going to talk <laughs> about like, some of these stories. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you can't even plan for it. You get it and you're like... Where did this what come is from? This? Yes. You yes, know, uh, yes. it just makes absolutely no sense. There's yep. no connection whatsoever. And this is the idea that there is an actually, there's a spirit of the gift. 
There is. Uh, which means that they're a spirit. What does that mean? Like, is there a ghost? My last name is spirit. Which is, it? is Yeah, it's geist. Yeah, <laughs> ah, it means spirit ah. or mind or ghost, uh-huh, poltergeist, uh-huh. Right, or zeitgeist, right, right. which is Got the name it. of the show. Mm-hmm. Spirit of the moment or spirit of the Sweet. culture, spirit of the mind. And uh, there's a spirit, which a spirit, what it means to me uh, is that there's an intelligence that's operating through the world, through people, through, uh, through animals, through our bodies, through our bodies, through the computer glitches that happen, you know, through these rebates that happen where somebody presses a button and then it comes to you and they don't even really realize it. You know, there's there, there's a ghost in the machine, a spirit even in the machines that happen. I mean, if there wasn't, then everything would, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, technology often doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Uh, and I feel like the technology should be a static process. You know, like if I press that, <laughs> if I press those same keys, it should do the same thing as it does for somebody else. And what we're finding throughout time especially with uh, sci, you know, sci phenomenon and sci, uh-huh. sci science uh, is that uh, and I just finished reading a book called Real Magic by uh, Dean Radin. And he talks about that sci phenomenon. It's not even a question of whether this is actually happening or not. Uh, it's for sure happening. It's just very disruptive to our current, you know, worldview. So to take in the idea of the gift is, is an initiatory process. At least it has been for me. And it sounds like for you as well, where it is, tempering your faith in an intelligence that is outside of your control. I would say it was actually affirming my faith, you know. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. You know, tempering because, maybe what, I, what yeah. I'm looking for is that tempering is it's creating a new element of faith. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. And you know, those first few months where it was bumpy, you know, I love that I had the work to question my stressful thoughts and that would sustain me and I really have a very visceral experience now, at least up to the level that I do, that my well-being has nothing to do with my bank account Mm. in a way that I never even knew was possible before. And I just see, you you call it the spirit, I just see life's longing for itself. And I don't think I'm special or fancy or anything, but I've just sort of let go of the fear orientation. Mm. around money and is it always completely clear no still sometimes i have to do the work i'm thinking well that person could have gifted me more mm-hmm. and i you know but whenever i do the inquiry i think oh my i get to see that what i'm getting from not getting is more valuable than the getting that i anticipated if that makes any it sense it makes at all. total sense to you me you know so yeah. the grace comes in countless expressions and forms and Money is just one aspect of it. And our dance with it is educational. I dance with it. Yeah. I think that something that's important is uh, for, for myself and maybe for other people to hear is this idea of sufficiency. I don't know if you're familiar with Lynn's twist, Lynn Twist's mm-hmm. work on the soul of money. And it's such a simple concept of what do I need to be sufficient? Because the idea is, is that I think the reason that there's price tags on everything and everybody that, that what's what's heralded as as success is to accumulate as much money as possible for the rainy day. This comes from the agricultural concept of every moment I spend toiling in the field could essentially ensure that I have enough for tomorrow and I have enough for my kids and enough for my grandkids and just keeps going on. Uh, instead of worrying about whether the planet could survive for seven generations, people are worried about whether their family line can survive for seven generations. And in doing, and, and, and with that subtle shift, because it's not so subtle, but it might seem subtle at first, with that subtle shift of everybody competing for seven generations down the road for their own independent self, uh, 
is destroying the, the ecology and ensuring that none of us potentially make it to that right, point. Right. And I think we're reaching that at this time. And I feel that there, there's a, uh, a little degree of irony in that we're talking about the gift on Black Friday, thanks, uh, Black Friday weekend. <laughs> <There you laughs> <go>. So uh, I really like what you said about there's a grace that takes place yes. when you're able to surrender to an intelligence or what you called as life serving life. And that one, and that there's times where the biggest gift you receive is when you're, when you find yourself judging is what, how I mm -hmm. heard it, judging somebody's gift to you as inadequate. Right. And right. I feel like for me, one of the most powerful things that I've had happen is when somebody would think that I had a lot because I was showing right, right, that I right. did, yeah. uh -huh. but then they gifted me anyway something. Um, that was like the most moving. And I think maybe some what what could be maybe the most helpful in disturbing this story of the separate self and having to accumulate is when somebody that is wealthy to some degree uh, in, in money, they've accumulated a lot, when they receive a gift, you could watch as they, they have no idea what to do. They want to like, it, it, it makes them, it really interrupts the story. It totally that, does. That I find they're so used to being on the quote unquote giving side and having to use the gift as a form of control, mm -hmm. which isn't an actual gift. Right. See, here's, we're getting into these, the subtleties of all this. And I don't know if I want to go too deep into all of that. Um, think not. I don't think I want to go too <laughs> deep into that because we could go into the difference between a free gift and a forced gift and forced re reciprocity. Well, I just want to say one thing that's true from my experience. Like when I occasionally, you know, have thought, hey, you know, I just spent three hours with you and you just gave me 50 bucks or whatever, you know, that isn't even about the gift. That's about a sense of lack that I have been coming from in that moment. And that circumstance was just a reflection of it, mm. if that makes sense. Um, so my consciousness is what I experience in the world and in my relationship with my clients. Some of my clients are really well off and really generous and some people aren't. And some, you know, what, yeah, I mean, some people don't have a lot of money and they're still very generous, you know? And so it's, it's an interesting thing. And people are disrupted when you say the gift. I mean, people think, oh, it's some, um, you know, donation which mm -hmm. is not exactly the same thing at all. It's not mm -hmm. even the same thing. Well, donations requesting something. Mm -hmm. A gift is saying, I will accept nothing even if that's, yes. If yes. that's where yes. you're at. Because, which there's a, that, again, yeah. it sounds subtle, right. but that's, right. Right. there's a world to be found in that subtlety. There Just is. like there's an eternity to be found in a moment or, right. a, or right. the, the entire right. existence in a grain of sand type of idea. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. And do you love what you're doing enough to give it for free? And I absolutely do. I mean, I get a lot more joy out of doing sessions with people than just about anything on the face of the earth. And so that's easy to do. I do remember one time I was, Charles was in town. Were you at that? No. Back in 2013. Mm -mm. And um, we did, he did a thing at the University of Utah. And I was like, I mean, it was really interesting because I had just read the book. I put a thing out on Facebook. Carl Rabke says, guess what? He's coming to Salt Lake in two weeks. And I'm like, no way. So... I got to sit with him at lunch because we had kind of a group lunch thing. And I asked him at one point, I said, you know, so, you know, what made you start doing this gifting thing? 
And he looked at me with this really kind of wry smile. And he said, well, charging never worked. (laughs) (laughs) And it, you know, and at first I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. But it's so true when you really look at the wholeness of it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. It disconnects us. You know, he talks in sacred economics about how, you know, our approach, our relationship with money breaks down community. It breaks down our relationship with the planet. It destroys our physiologies. It's amazing, you know, that we haven't awoken from this confusion collectively. I think it's important to point important to point out that this isn't because we're living in a time where there's so many new trends. Like depends on when you're listening to this. Even in the next couple of months, the trends might change. You know, uh, for a while it's the Atkins diet. Then it's you can't eat fat. Then it's you, you can't eat sugar. And then it's you can only eat what cavemen eat. Cavemen eat. And then it's you know even though they only live to be thirty something, uh, you know, and and you're not chasing a a deer through the field in a, with a spear. Not that I'm trying to attack any specific diet. All I'm saying is that. There's so many trends that I'm often suspicious when something new comes into my field. And the idea of gift to some may seem like this new concept of like, oh, well, you know, this is this new hippie thing that's going on where people are gifting again. And and I want to point back Charles's podcast, which is kind of what started this whole thing with me doing podcasts, is called A New and Ancient Story, meaning that in the moment, an ancient story is beginning to unfold. And it's carrying the roots of, of its ancient roots. Uh, and then it has a new face in a way, or it has a new angle, you know, because history doesn't repeat itself exactly. Uh, and I think we're moving into this idea where communities are built around the gift. And I truly believe that the challenge that most communities have and why they're not actually communities is because they're built, it's almost like <laughs> Facebook's example of a community comes to mind. Here you have one of the most successful and profitable companies that is essentially mining what it what it uh they're it's mining human prediction Mm -hmm. so essentially by knowing all of your patterns and habits and what you watch they're essentially selling your behavior patterns to advertisers for a profit yet they're calling it a community and then hiding the very fact that they're doing what they're doing i mean we're coming to a point now where uh they're having to put at least hey you know this is a sponsored post and here's some you know, some transparency, this page used to be called something else. Uh, but it's all of these, all of these things, essentially all of these words are being appropriated by the economic system. So friends are now becoming, you know, <laughs> how they track who you're connected to and what you're doing and then selling it to the highest bidder. Community is also looked at as customers. <laughs> uh, you know, you have a yoga community or, a, you know, you know, I, I even see car dealerships trying to like, hey, you're a part of the Subaru community, but really you're a customer. And even families are doing this. You know, I see families charging interest to their own children. I see husband and wife going out to eat and Venmoing each other. Like you could see it on the Venmo transaction. And I'm not saying that Venmo in and itself is, is a bad idea. I think Venmo has an element that's really beautiful, which is you have a history. You could see where the currency is going. There's a story following money, which has been absent. And it's made all of currency devoid, uh, homogenous, devoid right. of story. Right. I mean, you could be using a dollar bill that was used for sex trafficking or cocaine. And chances are you probably are using those. And these currencies 
cryptocurrencies, for example, or, you know, these platforms that allow you to tell a story, they carry with it a double-edged sword where there's the story that it carries, but it also can create even more separation between people isolating and becoming, you know, independent, so to speak. And with the gift, you become almost the opposite. The barriers and all of the walls come down and you're connected. The membranes are connected between one another. There's a level of trust and vulnerability that is happening between both people. And I think once that happens, especially for healers, that that may be the most important aspect of healing is that ability to trust one another. Because if you can't trust one another to gift each other, because that's what is happening even with your services, Mm -hmm. then how can wholeness take place, which is the very etymological history of healing, is to become whole. How do we cross that threshold, but yet keep the separation of the currency when it comes to healing? I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, what your experience has been between charging a fixed amount versus being in the gift and being more connected in that. Well, let me just, you know, I guess I just want to say one thing. It might sound a little odd, but I'll go ahead and say it because it occurred to me with what you just said, is that I feel like it's not so much trusting the other person. It's trusting life. Mm. And they are a representative of that and are a catalyst for my growth in whatever ways they happen to be. You know, and, and it doesn't mean I'm not connected, but I would say it's me giving my life my gift because it's my greatest joy, you know, and and allowing life to move as it does through whoever it does, however it does. And the the gift back to me is so many different things, you know. Um, yeah, what there was, you know, when people see that I do the work and the gift, a lot of times there is a discomfort that mm-hmm. comes up because people aren't used to even thinking about their relationship to value, and that's the invitation. When I when people say, "How do you do this?" and I say, "Well, I invite you to have the experience." And then feel into your own sense of value. What, you know, what, how much value did you get out of that? And, and then look at your own circumstances and honor your sense of value as it's true for you, if it's true for you. And you can do that, you know, with money. You can do that with lots of different things. Let's talk about it. Let's share our gifts. And most people are used to using money, and so that's what they do. Um, but I have had, I mean, I see people get kind of jarred when they come in to do a session because they don't know what to do and they want to know what everybody else does yeah. and all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't feel like it's my job to, you know, invite them deeper than they're ready. You know, so if they say, what are normal people... What, what do you usually get for a session? I'll tell them 200 bucks because that is standard. Mm-hmm. You know, among a lot of people, but a lot of people don't pay anything at all, you know, or gift anything at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel, what am I saying? Yeah, it's just different every time. And here's the other thing is, you know, that I don't, my, my clarity isn't a consistent thing all the time. 
And I don't expect that of myself. I mean, it grows my trust in the process through these. Sometimes it might be worth five hundred dollars to that person. Sometimes you might exactly that it doesn't come through you, and it might be worth twenty five dollars. Right, you know? like you might have just wasted an hour of their time <laughs> coming over here. Maybe you owe them twenty five dollars. <laughs> Never. <thought laughs> they got of a that. parking ticket out front. Yes, yeah. Actually, that has happened. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. It's, I hear what you're saying is that there's a uniqueness to your to, to your work and to the relationship, and I think that what something that's very powerful is to feel into what value means and the ability to assess our own value and instead of having that put on us you know it's like we walk out into the world and you know at one point in time human beings were as free as squirrels and they could climb up a tree and eat an acorn and go over there and if they had to urinate they could urinate on a bush if they wanted to like my dog gets to do you know and now we walk into the world it's like well you know whose property is this is his public property am i out past a curfew you know, am I parked in the right place? Am I going to get a ticket? You know, like, did, is my car registered? Is it insured? You know, the, the, when is the last time I got the oil chain? There's just so many, like, restrictions to our freedom. And there's, again, a value that comes through restrictions. Like, I'm not saying that right. our lives are more complete if it was absolute 100% total disorder and anarchy. But at the same time, I think we've gone to the exact opposite spectrum and we are living in this idea that we've got to control everything. And it's, if you have a whole group of people trying to control everything and trying to control the price of everything, then those that seem to have been controlling the longest end up wielding all of the power. With some exceptions of some, you know, Facebooks coming into the world and disturbing everything. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always the anomalies that come running through. But oftentimes, though, to where much is gathered, more accumulates or tends to anyway. Um, yeah, I also experience, I work in the gift quite often and, uh, you know, me through ecstatic dance and ecstatic dance, uh, actually was birthed in the gift. And Charles had a funny statement about, you know, why he ended up working with the gift and you'd started not in the gift and ended up moving over into the gift. And I just started with the gift with the ecstatic dance because I didn't, <laughs> As sad as it is to say, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. So I didn't know if there was any value to it. I mean, we were in like a kind of a broken down warehouse with the speaker sometimes worked and sometimes didn't. Sometimes it'd begin on time. Sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes the DJ would deliver somewhat of a good time. Sometimes they wouldn't know what the heck ecstatic dance was. They were playing like <laughs> yoga music and sometimes, you know, so it was this real awkward position and I was fortunate in the sense that everybody went in on this with me it was scotty and birdie with the jank stars and they were already renting the space and they said well we'll take a third of it you know and then uh the dj was like well we'll take a third of it and the yoga teacher was like well we'll take some free passes and then the rest of the other third essentially was used to like keep it going and you know create the advertisement page and like you know all of that stuff mm -hmm. um so it worked out in some way um and then I ran into the issue where we started wanting to hold it at the Krishna temple and have a bigger space and, uh, and be able to bring in out-of-state artists to really enhance the experience. And I ran into the situation that you're talking about, I think, which is I was running it as a gift, but I didn't feel that fully in my, in my soul. Like I was doing it because it always been that way. And I was finding that I was resentful when people would pay a dollar or bring a little dandelion flower and set it on the table. I would, <laughs> I would feel angry or pull out a credit card mm -hmm. and then go like $3. And I'm like, on a credit card? Like, like, like the service fee is almost that, you know? And I found this happening. 
And I actually started beginning to charge as opposed to doing it by the gift. And then that also felt off. And now I'm in the quasi middle place, betwixt and between place of the gift and, and, and transaction, where some dances are the gift and some dances are transaction. And, and here is where uh, I find myself and we find ourselves. And something that I'm looking at now is how does our leader, and why I'm also meeting with you and we talked about is, how do we have a leadership team at Ecstatic Dance? Because I definitely don't want to be the quote unquote guy with all of the answers and you know leading it all. Is what does the leadership think about the gift? Are they familiarized with the gift? Does the gift inspire them? Do we as a group want to collect this as a community dance? Which mm-hmm. maybe that's why it wasn't working is because it's not supposed to be my decision. It needs to be a community and collective decision. And people have to understand. I personally think that most important element from what I'm finding with the gift when it comes to having your whole vocation or community based on this is that there's got to be an educational piece to this where people understand why the heck it's the gift. Because if not, what I fear and what I find is that people will make an assumption that the gift means donation or the gift means free. And it means that whatever is being offered has no value. And that's why it's free. And uh, that also becomes limiting. I don't know if you want to talk about when people think that when you say gift, it means free. I rarely run into that, actually. Um, yeah, oftentimes when people don't gift, it's because they are in you know tight financial services uh, situations. Um, I've really come to a place, and I, again, I'm not quite sure how to articulate this act. Yeah, because sometimes I'm really clear, and sometimes my stuff comes up. You know, but I love that my stuff comes up because it's an invitation for me to grow. So it's not like I'm totally clear all the time. And um, so I allow my process because it is why I'm here. <laughs> to grow. What else are we going to do, right? Actually, yes, yeah. <laughs> if we're not growing, I, what are we doing? The other thing, too, is, you know, this is pioneering stuff. I mean, we, this is a whole new possibility. And I hear more and more people getting into it. When I first jumped in, I thought, oh, everybody's going to start doing it with me. And Mm -hmm. I actually started the Business in the More Beautiful World Facebook page. Um, And we had like monthly or even bi-weekly meetings where people would talk about their ideas. And I just thought everybody was going to just dive right off the cliff with me. And nobody did. And I was really disappointed that nobody else wanted to play at what I saw as the ideal way. And I really learned that everybody has their own path with this. And we're just here to honor our own truth and to be really you know, open, compassionate, and trusting of the development of each individual. And you know, that they're doing as much as they you know, should be, <laughs> you know, without judging how it should look for other people. I think we're just beginning to open these doors and see what it's all about. And I don't, you know, I don't, I used to be all, yeah, I'm in the gift and it's just kind of a sort of whatever. Now it's just matter of fact. It is very much a matter of fact. I think we all go through that. I think we all go through that. You know, when I started doing like, you know, somatic work and trauma healing and, you know, shamanic work and you know i mean it was a big deal at first you know i'm like wow and i think that's just part of that process of at first it's a big deal and it's all you can think about it's like 
changing your diet or lifestyle, you know, it's like, or you meet the, your special partner and then you, all you could talk about or think about is this person or whatever it is. And then it becomes just real matter of fact and mundane. I think there's a Zen saying that like, you know, when you first, uh, when you're in the world at first, you know, the mountains are mountains, the trees are trees, the rocks are rocks, and then you experience Satori. And then the, the trees are not just trees. There's so much more and they're not, the rocks are not just rocks, the mountains are not just mountains. And then after you've been in Satori for a while, the trees are just trees, the rocks are just rocks, because they carry with it both. They carry the both sides. And I don't even think that's a fixed process. I think this is a constant unfolding and a, you know, an alchemical process that continues to happen it where uh, it continues to grow. And I yeah. think that, you know, some people might say that what ecstatic, what, what's happened with ecstatic dance is it's backpedaled away from the gift because it used to be all in the gift of the first year and then now it's sometimes in the gift and then it was never in the gift, now it's sometimes in the gift and it looks as though in a linear process, oh, you're fixed in place. And I'm like, no, this is also part of the process because the whole point of the gift is to create wholeness, to create connection, to create healing, right? That we were gifted, how I see it is we were gifted this life, like, I didn't exist one day. Like, I, I didn't exist. I don't really remember that day very well. <laughs> so uh, I didn't exist, and then all of a sudden I existed, you know? And then ever since then, I've always existed, you know? And uh, there's been brief moments of lapse <laughs> where I'm like, oh, what happened between here and here? <laughs> and I hear as I get older, I have more of that to look forward to. Uh, and I didn't do anything. I didn't, quote unquote, as far as I know, didn't do anything to earn that. I also have specific talents, like I'm able to hold this podcast conversation and think about all of these ideas. And I didn't really do anything to receive that. I just happened to know how to do this, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, yeah, I've read some books and stuff, but I've really enjoyed reading the books. And you could even look at some people don't enjoy reading books and some people would read those books. It wouldn't it wouldn't speak to them. And these are gifts that were given to me. Yeah. And the idea is, is that and this is, this is ancient and also current, written in canon, in, in, in the, the Torah and the Quran and the Bible, is that we're not supposed to essentially steal gifts from other people. And this is the idea of usury. Usury, in my viewpoint, mm -hmm. is I've been gifted. I have, I've been able to accumulate because of the gifts that I've had. And you might say, well, no, I worked hard for it. But even the very fact that you're able to work hard for it, that you have that impetus, is a gift. You know, some people could want to do something and you see that they can't do it. Some people, they can't public speak. They would love to do it. They just can't. They go to do it and they feel absolute terror. The words, their mind goes blank. They can't make them start, their minds not go blank. Some people stutter, right? Uh, and what, no matter how much, the, more, the harder they try not to stutter, they stutter more or they get, become even more blocked. You know, your daughter, for example, she, you know, even if she wants to, you know, be a pilot and do all of those things, you know, it's just there's people have different gifts. Yes. And their ability to be able to share them is their ability to, to feel that liberation. And I feel like a lot of people are struggle being able to receive gifts because of a, a deep sense of conditioned unworthiness that happens by comparing ourselves with other people. And uh, I mean, it's built so deeply into the fabric of everything that we do. Mm -hmm. uh, the school system where everybody's graded against one another on a curve. Religions. Religions. 
Yeah, yeah, religions. Earn which, your way to God. Yeah, yeah earn you your go. way to God. It's mm-hmm. a, it's like some type of horse trade that's happening. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna suffer through all of this stuff yeah. over here. The more you suffer, the more the I suffer. You'll be. The closer I'll be. Yeah, which is a, it's a dangerous slippery slope, and I don't think that the religions truly say that. I mean, the challenge is, is that they could be interpreted in any way possible, and uh, and oftentimes they're interpreted in the, in the way that is sadly the most economically profitable way um, and what speaks to people is fear i mean there's a there's a way to speak with people with love and there's a way to speak to people with fear and we're so conditioned to operate uh when somebody elicits fear in us as opposed to when we're suspicious when somebody offers love to us and i think that i don't know i've experienced that where people are like well what's the catch you know zach why are you gifting this what do you really want why are you really doing this dance? Why are you really gathering people here? I, you know, I've, had, I've heard some crazy stories like, oh, you're doing this dance thing because you're a reptilian from another planet <laughs> that is sucking the life force from the Pleiadians, you know, or, uh, you know, you're sucking the life energy and that's why you're doing this thing. And, you know, what's fascinating is, is that, you know, my upbringing, I would get accused of a lot of these things from my own family that were fundamentalist Christians as they would say, you know, like, there's something wrong with you, you know, and I, I remember, you know, growing up in the hood and I was able to accumulate quite more than other people through, I have no idea how I knew how to do these things, but I would figure out ways to make money. I would buy lunch coupons and then sell lunch coupons, which probably not, I wouldn't do that today because I understand the implications of that, that other people would not get lunch because I did that and they would want money and they'd eat candy instead of lunch and, you know, in the projects, you know, probably 60 or 70% of all the nutrition is gained from the lunch but I was like 11 or 12 years old and I also had no money so this yeah, is you know yeah. just came to me and uh yeah although I did circulate it all I ended up buying video games and then I would share and then I'd play the video games with the other kids which ended up keeping me from getting my ass kicked and then they would steal the video games most often and I ended up with no video games then I'd buy more video games and this I think I've been living in this process for quite some time <laughs> yeah I feel like I've done a lot of talking on well, this I I do it to honor the abundance that I am more and more aware of all the time. To honor my abundance, to honor the abundance of whatever comes to me without my preconceived notions of value, necessarily. Does that make sense? And it's it's been very interesting because, I mean, you know, a lot of people, are, they'll ask, well, how's it working? They want to know yeah. how much stash I have in the bank and yeah. things. And I do not have a whole bunch of money in the bank, but I don't need a whole bunch of people money People are even more surprised by that, maybe, yeah. that you don't. People yeah, often, a lot of people will think, oh, well, she's got some trust fund or something. Oh, people like think that. that I'm loaded completely, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, and they find to their surprise that I'm not. And because of how I how I live and I don't think about money very often. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's really the telltale sign of wealth is uh, that you don't have to be worried exactly. about money. Exactly. And it doesn't matter. And, it, and most people that I know that have a lot of money, they worry about money all the time. They're that like happens. everything's a threat to the money like Bitcoin. Oh, I better invest in that. So like all my money that I have that I've accumulated doesn't turn into nothing, you know, because this new thing works, you know, and, right. and I felt that pull with me too, right? When I saw like, if you bought $5 worth of it, when it first came out, you'd be worth like 5.2 million. And there was a part of me that was pissed, you know, that was like, <laughs> man, I've been working so hard, but I think these are all signs when you're doing something that you feel that is, you have to work super hard and struggle and suffer through. 
in order to like make that money, then you do get pissed when you hear that somebody could make $5.2 million off of $5. You might get pissed off of that anyway, but I think there's a, there's a real, there's a real invitation into expanding into living in the gift uh, in some way. And I think many people that are listening to this podcast, maybe that's something that they look to do is they find what is it that they really love? What is their gift that they, and I mean, their gift might not be clear yet. For me, it wasn't, I wasn't like a violinist or a singer or whatever. Like I had no idea what my quote unquote gifts were. Uh, and I feel like for them, maybe stepping into spending, gifting yourself the time to discover what the heck your gifts are, maybe is the first gift to receive, you know? That's a nice one. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just an invitation to anyone who feels inspired to check this out, find your own way with it. You know, in the beginning, I thought I was going to be the champion of the gift economy. And um, I don't know how it's supposed to live through other people, but I would invite people to look and see, you know, where do you want to let go of your attachments? Where do you want to trust the flow of abundance? And how does that look to you? And just, you know, let that happen. Another thing that I did back in 2013 and did for quite a while, well, about a year and a half, and then passed it off and it's, I'm so busy, I haven't been able to do it, but gift circles mm. are so scrumptious and beautiful. And we would do this once a month at my home where people would come and they would bring things that, you know, are collecting dust or no longer useful to them that have been sitting in their houses forever and they would also come with a wish list of things that they would like. And it was a miraculous space. I mean, it was so much fun. People would come and ask for ridiculous things, like a ping pong table, and someone else would have that as the first thing they want to give away. People found partners in that group. People, you know, I mean, amazing, amazing things would happen because people would come and share their abundance and then ask for what they want. And it was so beautiful, too. One of my favorite parts about the gift circles is when people would share what they wanted, because we're not, we don't usually do that. We mm. keep that close to the vest, you know. Um, we don't even want to admit that we want things. But as soon as people would start asking for what they wanted, and not everyone felt comfortable enough doing that all the time, but you would just fall in love with these people because mm. they'd be sharing, you know, intimate details about who they are and what matters to them and you just wanted to go find whatever it was that they were looking for and it was just it's it was a really beautiful practice and i would like to rev that up again and have that we should happen. do it at ecstatic dance i know the one of the reasons we met is because i want to have like a steward of the spirit of the gift that's available in the community that, that's here all the time because mm -hmm. i split my time between here and hawaii and, uh, and I feel like that's needed. You know, it's uh, someone that could really help as a catalyst of bringing this into our community and greater community, your community and our community. It's one community, mm -hmm. really. Uh, what I found so fascinating about the gift circle that we did at the Krishna Temple mm -hmm. before Ecstatic Dance, or after, I think it was after Ecstatic yeah, Dance, yeah. was uh, how generous people were. Yes. Right? Like people were like, yes. here's an iPad that's great. I hardly yeah, even yeah, use yeah, it. Like, yeah. do you want it? And like, no one even took the darn yes, iPad, which yes, was crazy. Like, yes. every, like, and then uh, the most popular gift was the thing that was the most unusual thing that I thought. There, here's an a, a, like an almost new unused iPad. Uh 
Uh-huh. Nobody took it. Uh-huh. And then the thing that like three people wanted was the feather from the oldest eagle of the <laughs> aviary. And I'm like, what the heck? And what you start to realize is that not everybody wants the same yes, stuff, you know, yes, and like yes. not everybody wants the same stuff at the same time. You know, I found myself more pulled to the feather from the aviary uh-huh, than I did right, to the iPad. Right. Whereas five years ago, the iP- I would have been stoked to have an iPad, right. you know, and right. thought that was what I really wanted. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people intellectualize the gift and think that they understand it. They might mm-hmm. go, oh, yeah, yeah, I could imagine in my head meeting up in a circle and people get and I, I know how that's going to all work out. And what I find is I've been constantly humbled and mystified and put in a state of awe about how this spirit of the gift works. Yes. There's no, it, the minute I think I've got it figured out, I don't even remotely have it figured out. Uh, <laughs> I've shared this story on a podcast before, and maybe it's not the right time, but I just want to say that I've experienced things that defy like the entire story of the world, where somebody that has nothing to give will give something that is worth more than tenfold of everything that they have in the moment. Yes. And uh, and I'm blown away by that. It's humbling. There was somebody that I had helped out, or I thought I had helped out. I, uh, it was when my company that I'm running right now was, in a strange way, <laughs> had had a lot of unusual characters working with it and was going in a very different direction than what I had wanted it to go and my vision for it. And I was the steward of this vision. I started the company. The, the vision for this company came to me. And in the process, I ended up taking on an investor and the investor decided that they wanted to maximize profit. And I tried to figure out a place where profit and the vision were meeting and it just wasn't meeting in a way that made sense to that. So the company kind of fractured. And during this time, I was unable to even find my way in the business in the way that it was going. And I couldn't do any work. Like there's like any work I would do would be doing the exact opposite of everything that the company, and I'd and never been in this position. It'd be, imagine you're running a, I don't know, a, a daycare for children to like help them become more at peace and connected with nature. And then all of a sudden that same daycare gets turned into, we're going to maximize their efficiency and see if we turn them into 12 hour a day working, you know, uh, industrial workers, you know, Mm. you're like, well, wait a second. Like, but they're like, it's still a daycare. And you're like, yeah, but like, this is completely the opposite of like what I was trying to do. And in this process, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of what I don't want to have happen. And, and the community that through ecstatic dance had come to really support me because I had lost all support from this entire company and organization and vision that I had formed. And I even became crippled in the process. My back had given out and I'd be walking with a walker. And I mean, it was a miserable experience. And it was during this time that we ended up losing the space at the Jankstar Castle and they didn't get their lease renewed. And we went to the Krishna Temple. And in that, we lost all of our sound system because we were borrowing their sound system. And I'm here absolutely broke. My business is running and doing good financially, but I know I'm not getting any money from it because it's been pulled in this other complete different direction. And I've got like multiple people living in my my house, you know, and I'm, I'm behind on rent because I can't pay the rent. And uh, and so I've got tons of people living in the house because I'm like, well, they might as well have a place to stay. And I'm like, and I break the bad news to all of these people that, you know, hey, I don't know how I'm going to continue paying the rent. I don't know how exactly it's going to continue on. 
because uh, I don't have any money for to buy speakers and the business is doing well, but I don't get paid from that. So here I am. And uh, and then one of the people goes, well, how much money do you need for the speakers? And I'm like, I don't know. It's like probably like two or three thousand dollars, even if I get it on sale. And that person goes, oh, OK, cool. I got you. And I'm like, I'm letting you live for free in this house. Like, how do you have that? Oh, yeah, no, I, I could totally help. And uh, and they, they had no income or anything, but somehow they had something still re- remaining. And uh, and they gifted the mm-hmm. entire sound system. Wow. And then the yeah. Krishna Temple agreed to like a ridiculously low amount of money. Uh, and then it ended up working out for them because then they were end, ended up able to sell food at the end of dance. And then it ended up turning into the gift of a permaculture food forest in the back. Yes. You know, like, I mean, I it mean, just, just kept going layers yes. and layers and layers. So... These things have a very unusual way of working out. So at one point, I would say the beautiful part about really surrendering to the gift is uh, that you could only surrender to the extent that you can anyway. And it's really the intention. There's no methodology for it. It's not like you stand on one foot and tap your head three times and say (laughs) a specific mantra and then you're surrendered to the gift. It's a constant dynamic dance or prayer, really. An ongoing adventure, for sure, you know. Because I have associate coaches that work with me to serve people with clarity coaching. And, you know, when they get referrals from me, they have to do the gift. And mm. at first there was like, really? Um, hmm. You know, and there was there was some concern. People weren't quite ready. This is your gig, Catherine. I'm not mm-hmm. sure I want to play. And um, they come around, one person particularly, really just opened her heart and really found a lot of value. And it, again, it doesn't mean that it's always a clear... The fear patterns come up. They're, it's inculcated, you know, culturally to be scarcity-oriented and think that trying to get something from outside of you is the way out of that. But You could never get enough, is what I find. Like, it's just like there's layers and layers. Like, if you try to get an, accumulate enough... Then you could, as you accumulate, built into that is the knowledge of how you could lose that. So then sure. you try to get even more. They, they did a study, I think Charles is the one I heard this from, is they did a study with very wealthy people. The average net worth was something like $76 million. And they asked all of them, you know, did they feel financially secure? And by and large, something like 70, 80%, I could be off on the numbers, but almost everybody said no, they didn't feel financially secure. And uh, from what I could tell, you seem you feel pretty financially secure. And I'm assuming you don't have quite seventy six million dollars. <laughs> so, uh, and they asked them, "Well, what would make you feel financially secure?" And they found that on average, it was about twenty five percent more than what they had. Okay. So it doesn't matter who who it was or how much they had. And this is just built into the human psyche. And there's terms in native native traditions that I've read uh, called the Wendigo spirit or the Watiko spirit, which is or you know this idea that I need more and more and more and somehow if I have enough it's also the nakara the realm of hungry ghosts and you see this in people's wanting to eat and then overeating and then bulimia or trying to like conquer it in the other direction and I'm just not going to eat anything I'm going to be anorexic then I'm going to be safe it's still this idea of control it's like it's a tough dance but beautiful dance to really surrender into how much of myself can I surrender to the fact that there is a uh, an intelligence, a being that life is, has a deep degree of benevolence, even though outside there's so many, you know, warning signs that it's red in tooth and claw. 
How do I live in that? Well, but there are also plenty of examples that the benevolence prevails mm. when you take the time to look. Just look at our bodies, for starters, you know, and the way the world works, the way the earth works. And yeah, we're doing a number on the earth right now. Um, and It's amazing that we have any compassion whatsoever left, that people are doing anything kind at all, considering some of the things that have happened throughout time. You know, I mean, I think that that's a testament to, you know, human spirit, you know, that there is a yearning to the better angels of our nature. I see the crisis that we face as a catalyst to the awakening, clearly. You know, it isn't until we're faced with our obstacles that we really go for it and look and think differently than ever before. And, you know, I just want to say one thing you were asking about financial security. I... I don't even think those two words go together. <laughs> financial insecurity. Yeah, that, insecurity. that finances actually have anything to do with security at all. Meaning it's the think, affect of security, right, feeling secure. Right, right. You know, the whole nature of the way finances happen on this planet is anything but secure. And I think that's been the greatest gift of living in the gift for me, is to really know that, yeah, and I know it viscerally. Doesn't mean I don't forget it every now and again, but not very seriously. So I'd laugh at myself when I'm like, oh, you know. Uh oh. Yeah. yeah, you could feel yeah. that tightness. Yeah, that yeah. and it's just, but there's no, there's no foundation to it anymore. It's just like oh, old thought, you know. And lo and behold, you know, it always shows up in different ways, you know, when you don't measure. And yeah, the the gift of the gift for me is to know that my security comes from life not finances, mm. you know? And I, I lived on the edge when I started this. So I, you know, I didn't have, I lived month to month, mortgage to mortgage, all of that kind of thing. And somehow I'm in a very different place right now. And I don't think that anybody, I see people do almost, they try to, they use the gift as a means, and I've seen this, and I think maybe I've even been uh, guilty of this in some way. Where, where people use the gift as a sense of martyrdom and a sense of maybe even to feel better than others and or to blame others for not being more generous. Where you say, it's so easy to be fundamentalist with these things where it's just like, okay, I am now in this moment living fully in the gift and that's and just what I'm doing. Ta -da -da -da. <laughs> and, uh, and then being really upset when it doesn't go well and then just being resentful and angry at other people. And I would suggest that that is not the gift. Is that is a twisted not. sense of martyrdom and judgment. Um, and we've got to be careful with that, you know? Um, and it's a, that is one of the sneaky parts of that same Watiko or Wendigo spirit coming in. As far as I could see, it's not my tradition. So I know that there's a Russian, I think, version of this that I've heard about recently. My family is from Siberia, and there's this, like, snow monster, the frost monster that kind of, I believe, consumes things. But the Watiko and Wendigo idea that I got from uh, Robin Wall Kimmerer is a powerful, a powerful metaphor and a powerful spirit where it's this big ice uh, creature that is consuming everything it finds, and it's you know, frozen white and it's, and it's teeth are just gnashing and it's lips are been, it's eaten off its own lips 
and it's just consuming. And I, and I see that that's kind of what, that is the shadow side of, of, of the gift. You know, you have the gift on the beautiful side of being connected and carried, carried and everything else. And then you have, I'm going to control everything, accumulate and protect myself at the expense of everyone else, which is that I see as this gigantic ice monster that is eaten off its own lips, trying to consume everything, feeling unsatiated, not satiated. (laughs) Um, Can you, can you articulate that a little more? Because I'm not quite following. How is that ice monster part of the gift? It's the opposite of the gift. Oh. Okay. Yeah, um, I and I and I see that that same ice monster, that same Watiko spirit or Wendigo spirit, could masquerade itself as the gift in the sense that it would be someone that says, "Okay, I'm jumping into this world of the gift. Mm-hmm. Like I'm no longer going to question the gift. I'm no. I'm going to cut off all my sensitivity to whether I'm really feeling in the gift or not. I'm going to force it down my own throat, and then." If people don't reciprocate, I'm going to judge them for it. Yeah. And that is that same spirit masquerading underneath the guise of the gift. Right. And it com- what comes to mind, too, for me with this is like the person that becomes a vegan because compassion for animals, yet they go around and attack everybody that is eating meat. And yeah. then they actually become the opposite of what they're trying mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. It's an incoherence because people are then turned off. On, about what their lifestyle is. They go, well, if I start being like you, I'm going to end up like you and I don't want to be like that. They become non-compassionate. Right. This same idea of trying to force the gift is also a sense of lack of compassion. It's the same thing that a, that a lot of companies use where they try to give you something in order to create. Timeshare companies do this. They say, hey, come down and take you know, we're going to give you this whole stay and this whole tour and we're going to wine and dine you. And then now you just have to come to this time for a preparation. And then the minute that preparation starts, they start tugging at the fact that they've given you all of this stuff. And then it, it tugs at our, our heart and our compassion. And, you know, they might even say, you know, I'm struggling financially, you know, you know, and you're like, ah, oh, I like this salesperson. I want to like gift them. But then it's, it's this forced extraction that looks like a gift mm-hmm. and it's not a gift. Mm-hmm. It carries that, that Wetiko spirit in it. I think, yeah, and I think I can find that part in me in the beginning, too, because I thought, ta-da, I'm doing it. This is the new way everybody should be following, and and don't you want to give to me because I'm so wonderful, Yeah, you know? And that didn't work very long at all. It didn't work at all. And it was just easy to sort of see what was going on, and even having that Facebook group and thinking everybody should do it a certain way instead of... I mean, I thought I was there to educate people and they were there to educate me, which is it's going to flow uniquely in every circumstance. There isn't a way. There is the way that lives uniquely in each one of us around this. And you just take care of honoring your deepest truth, Catherine, and trust the flow. Because there's truly a spirit of the gift. It's a living, a living spirit of connection. Um, I see as like I could see it in my mind's eye, you know, where as more as people that are close to one another are giving of their gifts to one another and that gift is moving around, it creates a web and it creates the true community that I think we all seek. And I think it's through that web and that community that we feel that security that we're trying to get superficially Mm -hmm. by control and accumulation. We never quite feel it. We might feel it for a moment like we 
it, it's, it's, <laughs> see, this is the danger with it is that we set a goal, we get it and we go, oh yeah, I could, I could set goals and get them or set accumulation goals and get it. And I, I feel secure, but it only lasts for a moment. And that's the difference. What I notice is the more I build community, the more I feel carried all the time. Exactly. That feeling doesn't go away. It actually becomes stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the other end, it's like I get it and it's more like a drug. If I get that goal or I get that accumulation, I go, oh, yes, I zap Geist am powerful <laughs> among myself and I could conquer the world. And, you know, and then, and then I like feel good for a minute. And then all of a sudden I like it's almost like I start seeing my weaknesses, you know, and I'm like, oh, shit, I hope nobody else sees those weaknesses, too. <laughs> Otherwise, they could totally exploit me. I better figure out a way to keep them from exploiting me. And uh, and then you start acting in ways to keep them from exploiting you with which they start acting very strange about why you're acting that way. And then you start seeing behaviors of how they're acting in a way that, and then it starts to ruin all of your relationships. And this is something that I've witnessed in myself. And I also tried to hold myself, look at me, like I'm doing this. I'm really doing this gift thing. Something cool. Yeah. 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 And maybe that's a process that most people will go through. It might be part of that journey. Yeah. 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 Because it was a beautiful idea for me. And, um, it is whatever other people make of it. I'm not attached anymore. I just know it really works for me. Yeah. And it is just it boils down to simply honoring the abundance of my life, of the light shining off the snow right now. Do you ever set a price for anything? Yes. Um, I do. Well, I do. Uh, I train people in this work. And so, you know, I have a year-long program that has a fee for it because people are learning a skill they can make money with. So you're not a fundamentalist gift person. Sometimes there might be some, yep. some element, which is important. Yeah. I think that's yeah. an important distinction. It is distinction. an important yeah. piece, yeah. yeah. And I wind up doing about 50% scholarship anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the record. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, that always felt right to charge for that. So I do do that. That's a small little side piece of clarity coaching i just started as you know i uh, started this whole finance project i actually heard about talk about the gift i was living in a tent in mount shasta after having a company that was doing millions of dollars in revenue previously and i ended up losing it all and you know it's really good at making money and not really good at keeping it for whatever reason <laughs> um so i ended up living in a tent in mount shasta because i tried everything else that i'd ever thought of doing you know so i was like well i haven't tried living in the wilderness maybe that into that's uh christopher mccandless from into the wild had something going on or henry david thoreau i've always been pulled in that direction so i thought let me try that so i went and did that and i was uh going to philly they have really good water at shasta and i was filling up a water jug and all of a sudden this stranger out of nowhere comes up and he goes you look like a businessman and I go, and I look around, you know, which isn't kind of a pejorative term in Mount Shasta if you're living in the middle of it. And, like, and I look down at it, you'd see my tattoos. I'm wearing shorts and a tank top. And I look kind of dirty and I have a beard growing out. And I'm like, and I'm like, well, that's a, you know, fascinating observation. I guess so. Uh, you know, and he goes, you should read Sacred Economics by Charles Eisenstein. And I go, oh, why? Is that a good book? And he goes, I don't know. I've never read it, but you should. <laughs> and then he's like filling up his water. He goes, all right, have a good day. And he walks off. <laughs> so so uh, I, I jokingly say that this, this material found me when I really desperately needed it. And, uh, and it was because I had read that book that I was looking to do something because he points out how a lot of what we do that think we're doing really awesome in the world, you know, I'm helping people make a lot of money, but then like, okay, well, what does that do? Like, what is the, 
what are the strings that are happening there? And I said, okay, well, I'm going to do with my next business because I'd never had that privilege before. Like I started doing door-to-door sales when I was like 18 or 19 years old because that's like the one job I could get with a tattoo on my hand, broken teeth. Before I spent 40000 on my teeth and got my tattoos removed, I grew up in the project. So I didn't exactly speak in an articulate way, you know. Uh, so here I am. And, uh, and so I said, I'm going to really design this life from the, from the foundation up. And uh, I somehow like sold my car and kept enough money going. And I said, I'm going to find something to do that's at least morally. At first, I was like, I'm going to find something to do that's morally good. And then I struggled finding something that like was truly morally good inside and out, you know, that that also fit within what I knew kind of how to do. And then I said, well, I'm going to find something that's least morally neutral. So like if I'm not maybe doing great in the world, at least I'm not doing something bad, you know, that's surprisingly hard, too, because a lot of times you're finding like you're creating some new knickknack, which then is disturbing some other industry and then putting other people out of work. So I'm like, what? That's not really working either. And uh, and so I did end up finding something which was helping people with student loans because I was like, you know, government's printing the money right like so they're like making the money and then they're charging an interest from it so like if i could have help people pay less of that back you know that that would be great Mm -hmm. because we need people that are educated that are following their dreams and this was a challenging process but just recently and i haven't offered that in the gift i've done it maybe a couple times with people in the community but that's kind of been that the money that's been coming in through that has been funding all of these other beautiful things and it's almost like that organization has been making money and then gifting it to organizations that operate mostly in the gift. But I just met a gentleman recently after the Charles podcast who's been doing taxes for 20 years. And I was studying to get my enrolled agent's license because I found that not only are people getting screwed on their student loans, those same people are getting screwed on their taxes, those same people are getting screwed with unsecured, uh, unsecured debt, those same people are getting screwed with credit scores being low, low and having being forced to use credit in order to be able to buy a house or a car or anything else. Then they get screwed on interest rates on top of that. So I'm like, I haven't figured out the property thing. You know, people get screwed on property because you like require land to live in, right? We made that joke earlier that we were in a, your tent recording mm-hmm, this thing. No, right. you had to buy a house. In order to buy a house, they're so expensive that you need a mortgage. In order to get a mortgage, you have to pay an interest rate. In order to get a mortgage, you have to put either 20% down or pay for mortgage insurance, you know, to ensure the bank that they're going to get paid. And, you know, it's a very rigged system. So I haven't figured out how to solve that issue. But I came across this gentleman with the taxes. And he was so moved by Charles's work and Lynn Twist's work. And he's been working in that profession for 20 years that he spared me, at least for the time being, all of the, you know, hundreds of hours worth of research that would go into me getting my enrolled agent's license. So I simply brought him on board as part of the team of tax tutors and we're offering tax or he would he insists that we offer this in the gift so tax strategy tax preparation uh amended returns all of that offered in the gift and he feels deeply moved by it and uh and i think that it's such a story interrupter because here you have the government that says you know we're not going to the government works kind of like this too right it's like we're not going to tell you what you owe us but you do owe us And we require you to pay the right amount. But we're not going to tell you what that is. But at the same time, if you don't pay the right amount, you'll be criminally prosecuted. You go, well, how do I know? This has been a challenge for me because I like to follow rules so I don't get in trouble. So like, well, what are the rules, right? Just like with student loans, I had to learn, it took me a year to learn all the rules. I still don't know them all, you know? But all of a sudden I say, I say, what are all the rules? And there's 7,000 pages of tax code and another 7,000 pages of Department of Treasury code that... It's like spells and they all work different together. Like even you take the most 10 most talented tax attorneys and they all don't know the rules. 
But yet, me, as an end person, have to know how to play by the rules. And most people just give up. So they say, the hell with it. I don't know the rules. TurboTax, whatever it tells me to pay, I'm paying. Or whatever my accountant tells me to pay, I'm paying. And they don't look at it. And they end up getting totally hosed, sadly. So here we go on another new experiment. And I'm curious to see where this leads. So That's exciting. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So how do people get in touch with you about that? Yeah. So... At the beginning, it says the student loan tutor uh, element, and they could reach out to student loan tutor, and we refer it off to that. But yeah, I I think what I'd really love is to meet more people. I think a lot of people here uh, may listen to this. I guess this is a great question. Um, It's something that I feel is lacking, is I don't know of anyone that does like gift coaching. Like, let's say, for example, somebody was like, I'm running my business, you know, I'm super interested in this Charles Eisenstein work and I read Sacred Economics. I've read Sacred Economics like three or four times. Uh, And I realized I just lied to you. I got that from Charles admitting when I lied. I've read it, I think, twice and listened to it two times, which (laughs) is is an important distinction. Uh I want to be able to like speak truthfully when I speak. Uh, Sometimes for convenience, I I lie Uh unintentionally, you Uh know. Mm-hmm. But you could feel that feeling, you know, when you say something that's not yeah, right. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I feel like someone else could feel that too, you know, like. Uh, the only manners veri- that you do. Though. Yeah, veritas, you know, we need to be truthful. Yes. Um, would, do you offer any like coaching with people that have a business that are looking to move a portion or all of their business into a gift? Like maybe somebody's worked their whole life and lives and have accumulated a whole bunch of wealth. And what they'd like to do is figure out a way to be a steward of the wealth they've accumulated. Maybe they've never heard of this and they felt that something speaks to that part of their soul. And they're like, they really imagine if people, Kathy, they felt that all of what they were earning, they were a steward of that money. Imagine how powerful that would be. Definitely. Because that's what they are. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, how I, I see it. I, it. Yeah. I can't see it any other way. Mm-hmm. They're truly a steward of it. And I feel like if it doesn't move, just like anything that doesn't move, like water mm-hmm. or cells, they proliferate. It's cancerous, mm-hmm. tumorous, mosquitoes, and other types of vampiric entities, like the leeches. Like all of these sucking energies come when water doesn't move. Right. Or when parts of the body, when fascia doesn't move, it creates knots in the body. That's, that's where something isn't moving. And uh, how would somebody, let's say somebody's accumulated a bunch of wealth, or they have a business with a lot of clients, and they want to move into the gift. Could they reach, do you offer coaching on how to work in the gift? Or anyone, do you know anyone else that does that? I don't know anyone. I would be happy to offer whatever I have to share, just from my own experience. I'm not your classic business coach by any means yeah uh the work that i do is relevant and i work with people in every echelon of life and society with self-inquiry and you know i'm happy i would love to work with other people who want to play in this field because it's exciting to me i know that community is who we are and what we're up to and we are suffering the grave consequences of losing track of that collectively and so I don't have any specific setup to support people like that, but I am definitely available as a support person in any way I can. On the gift. That's beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, I might even be willing to talk to, I mean, I'll have a whole bunch of time, but I might even be willing to talk to like one or two people Mm -hmm. in in the gift, like where they could pay whatever they wanted to, about my experience with the gift. 
Uh, I think that it might not be as helpful as you because you're working as a self like self employed. Your vocation, like I'm more of like a, I have got all these organizations going on, and when I work I myself, and and I, I, I always offer it in the gift when it's me myself doing something. I'm trying to think if that's true, saying <laughs> that, I think so. Uh, yeah, but the organizations, not all of them operate in the gift. But I, I think that's that's really the goal. That's the direction that I'm moving in with it. I mean, to the degree that it can, and I think that's that. And I think it's kind of beautiful that you have both going, you know, because you're learning from them both simultaneously. One isn't inherently right or wrong. It's an adventure in consciousness. Totally. Yeah, and it's gifting, and it's the very way that all these other... I feel like Student Loan Tutor has been blessed, truly blessed. I mean, we have A-plus credit, better business bureau rating. We've never had anyone charge back in five years. We've got a hundred five-star verified reviews. People are like raving evangelists of the organization. You know, people like Charles, like, you know, like the first, Mm -hmm. like maybe the first ever like uh, endorsement that we've gotten, like where he like loved the business so much. He was like, my ex-wife should work with you. Like, I mean, it's, (laughs) it's, it's great. It's, it's quite, it's quite amazing. I, I feel like, the spirit of the gift that moved through sacred finance through this unusual man that met me that then moved into me that then inspired and you know this and i'm definitely not a not not a flawless being like if i if i can screw these things up as murphy's law would have it i i I tend to think i'm doing really great stuff and then i'm like oh there there's that (laughs) there's there's that you know that weird area there where i'm trying opportunity to to grow totally that's what it is yeah yeah so Catherine, is there anything else that's burning inside of you that wants to be shared on this other than your work which we could finish off with well i nothing specific i mean i'm just really glad to be able to talk about this because people call me every once in a while and ask questions and things like that but I would, you know, it's just been such a blessing in my own life. And I'd like to invite people to consider it, to open to it and see how it might live for them. Because it has reduced my stress level, that and the work that I do, but they're kind of the same thing, a thousand percent. I mean, I I live from joy and freedom. And... Um, I think that living in the gift or working in the gift is a big piece of that. You know, I do want to say one other thing, too, that Charles said that I think is true way back when. You know, I said, what kind of businesses do you think are most, um, well, the best beginnings into moving into the gift? And he said any kind of healing or artistic, you know. Taxes. (laughs) Taxes. Well, anything can be an artful medium if you're up for the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely the most disruptive. (laughs) You're like, what the heck is this? What are you up to? Why are you not charging? You do secretly work for the IRS? Like, what what is this thing? Right, right, right. That's exciting. I'm jazzed. No, it's been really fun to visit with you. And, you know, I just consider myself a simple woman doing a simple thing following her heart. What gifts do you need? What needs do you have oh, right now? Oh my gosh. Needs? Mm-hmm. I feel like my needs are fulfilled. I have visions. I have desires. I would love to open a retreat center, just a quiet, you know, small little place where people can go and live in silence and do the work. 
Where at? Do you have a place here in, in Utah? Here in yeah, Utah. Yeah, here okay. in Utah, so that I can stay close to my daughter and you know have other coaches be there. Just a place where people can go and unwind. That's mm-hmm. a vision, um, a desire. I would like to take some time off and write a book at some point. I'm a great writer, and I don't have time. Mm. Um, and wow, community, more community. Mm. You know, I feel a community with my clients and my coaches and things like that to some degree. But I lived for 13 years in a spiritual community and it had its ups and downs. But there was something about... It wasn't perfect? No, (laughs) it wasn't even close to perfect. But my first three years there were kind of ecstatic because I was just sort of in my own experience of the grace of it. And then, of course, you know, opportunities to grow show up. And um, But meditated my fanning off morning, noon, and night and things. And living in community just is part of who I am. So that is something that I really would like to come to pass sooner than later. It seems ridiculous to me that we all live in our separate little spaces. We do, yeah. And I think this is really ripe for our greater community. There's so many people that share the same vision you have. I think we're like the perfect place is coming, you know. Um, I hope to believe that. Yeah. Great. My gifts that I need... Yes. Uh, I mean, I guess, it, again, I don't need it. I definitely have what I need, uh, what I'd like. Um, this podcast is sponsored by Student Loan Tutor, which Yay! is the, the essentially it's getting all of the gifts that uh, because it gifts it, itself out. And uh, what uh, what would be helpful is a review of this podcast, because that's like a currency in today's age. If you mm-hmm. I'm not I don't want to force the gift, but if you like this podcast and you feel inspired by it, if you go on iTunes and rate and review it, that's super helpful for us. It, it tells this, you know, total non-personal algorithm that this is a podcast that people like and uh, it shows it to more people and then it makes Wonderful. more people aware and there's, it makes the world more beautiful. If you, if you think this is a beautiful message, it makes the be- more, world more like this. Mm-hmm. If you think this is a terrible message, then, you know, maybe you don't want to <laughs> give us a review or maybe you do. I mean, I'll, I'll take the negative reviews too with the good ones. Um, I also think... That we'd really benefit from having an attorney that feels really moved by this. Oh, nice. uh, it's something that we're really lacking. Like as a company, we have, you know, we have an attorney that's kind of not interested in any of this at all. But like at least we have a law license that's involved in what we're doing. But what we'd really, what we'd really love to have is an attorney that feels really moved to like really make the world a more beautiful place and believes that this is doing that. Because maybe they are doing, you know, taking over the world and like have two thousand acres of industrial you know, factories and they find that that's really beautiful. And if that's that, I don't, who am I to say that it's not, maybe that's what the, that's part of this beauty that's unfolding is somehow that gets us there in some way. Everybody's playing their part. But if you feel moved by this uh, and you know of an attorney that that's has nice. this gift that really loves to practice law and really wants to help people, uh, we would love to potentially have them on the team um, for mm-hmm. whatever reason. I just don't know any attorneys that fit that mold, you know? Uh, yeah. But that's that's everything. How do they find your work, Catherine? If... Um, ClarityCoachingInstitute.com. Great. It's just straight up right there. Everything yeah. you do. Everything I do. Beautiful. And uh, you could find uh, us at StudentLoanTutor.com or you could find Facebook, Zeitgeist with Zeitgeist. And uh, there's a website coming soon because we do so many different things with like trauma healing, ecstatic dance, permaculture, food forests, 
uh, one of our main team members, a student loan tutor, and also the founder of the Permaculture Guild of Utah, is now running for Green Party mayor yes. and uh, has a really, really solid and amazing uh, backup team on marketing. We have a really amazing marketing team that uh, Charles's team is helping with us. So, yeah, really beautiful things to come. Thank you very much for listening. And, uh, yes, if you feel called to review us, please take a moment. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can write five words. Uh, essentially, <laughs> I think if it's more than four words then it counts as a review. So it could be nice. one sentence. I really like the podcast. That's that's more than enough. doesn't have to be. I, and I just want to say to you, Zach, yes. thank you for your passion and your commitment to a more beautiful world than our hearts know is possible. The quote Charles Eisenstein, one of his books. But, you know, you are relentless in your dedication to, yeah, moving things forward. I feel that. I see that in the community and the people that you work with. That's a beautiful thing to witness. Thank you for thanking me. It's all of the people that thank me that uh, whenever things get tough, that those gifts then come in that moment. It's like, oh, yeah, all these people do really appreciate it. Yeah. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. And please follow us to hear future episodes where we discuss topics such as alternative states of consciousness, achieved through dance, intention, and shamanic practices, sacred economics, dream work, trauma healing, building community, permaculture, healthy and compassionate living and eating practices, somatic and alternative healing modalities, politics, psychology, mythology, and more. Our work is focused on the liberation of spirit, a return to the sacred, which is a constant collective inquiry. We aim both in person and on this podcast to plant and water the seeds of liberation from economic inequality, trauma, systemic conditioning, addiction, loss of soul, loss of meaning, hopelessness, helplessness, isolation, shame, nightmares, guilt, and a return to glimpses of your birthright, of dignity, joy, community, collaboration, equality, and constantly beautifying new world where you are not alone. And always, if you're ever in the Salt Lake City area, come join us for yoga, dance, or in the garden. A community of beautiful souls are here to welcome you. We gather in community Wednesday, 6 p.m. till 10 p.m. and Sunday, 11 to 3 p.m. And we have a vegan brunch or vegan dinner after every event. Our gatherings are all ages and are of no religious affiliation. We look forward to seeing you.